right, so welcome to the Nurses in the No Show. I'm your co-host, Kristen, and this is... The other co-host, Hannah. And we would like to welcome you to the... Nurses, Nurses in, in the, the No Show! All right, and on today's episode, we have Chazelle. She's an executive director from a local hospital here in Central Florida, Chazelle, introduce yourself to us. Tell us a little bit about um, how you became a nurse. We'll start from the the beginning of your nursing career. All right. Awesome. I'm Chazelle. I um, was always wanting to be a nurse from the time when my brother was born. He is six years younger than I am, and he was born actually at the organization that I currently work for. And um, I remember my dad picked me up from school and took me there to see him, and I thought that the nurses there had the coolest job ever working with the babies. And it became my goal to become a nurse like them. So I talked about it. I was the first one in healthcare in my family. <laughs> Everyone thought I was crazy at six saying I wanted to be a nurse. And that's what I wanted Aww. to do. And um, so then when I was a teenager, the hospital that was down the street from us uh, allowed volunteers to start at 14. And so wow. I went and spoke to the volunteer coordinator and begged to work in OB. And they said, well, OB is a very you know, secure area and you don't really get to go work there. And she took me to the director and I begged and begged. And <laughs> she, there was one nurse in the nursery and she's like, I like your passion. I like your story. If you want to do it, you can work with me. And so she kind of took me under her wing and taught me everything I knew. And, Aww. and she was a nursery nurse at the time. And I got to learn labor and delivery. And when I graduated, Aww. I went into labor and delivery. So I always tell that story, a new hire orientation. And I tell the nurses that are coming on, like never ever underestimate the power of one person and what they can do for someone's career. So that's how I got started. That's very true. At the age of 14. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like determined. That's all I wanted to do ever. I wanted to be yeah, a labor and delivery labor nurse. labor law somewhere. <laughs> 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 yes. Labor and delivery laws? Oh, oh I'm funny today. <laughs> I, I swear nurses are either, there's like no in between. They either always wanted to be a nurse since the time they were a child yeah. or they like never wanted to be a nurse and they had like a mid, a 20 year old crisis and we're like oh swerve let me go be a nurse now. <laughs> like there's no in between I feel like on everyone we um interview yep so you started in labor and delivery I did as a okay. graduate nurse and then oh, a regular nurse she said gra- graduate nurse oh, <laughs> a regular graduated nurse <laughs> um how long did you do that talk tell us a little bit about that so I graduated nursing school and went straight into labor and delivery I was a labor and delivery nurse for Two years, two and a half years, I was a charge nurse, and then I was an A&M probably um, four years after I started, and then um, I was an A&M for two and a half years, three years, and then I was the nurse manager of the department. Very nice. All from the same unit then. Yep. So you just... Homegrown. 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 I like it. (laughs) So you literally climbed the clinical ladder. I did. From the nurse management position, how... Where did you go from there? Like... So I was a nurse manager of women's services. Okay. I had labor and delivery, mother, baby, nursery, GYN surgery, lactation, parent education. And then I was the director of women's services, had the same service lines. And then um, I had expanded role and took the emergency department. And then <laughs> after that, uh, then I had all of inpatient nursing. Wow. Mm-hmm. So what's it? Oh, sorry to interrupt. Was it something you intentionally were after or is it something that kind of like fell in your lap? You know what? People ask me that question a lot, and actually a lot of interviewees ask me that question when I interview for positions, like here to report to. Um, you You're know. not leaving, are you? No, 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 not me. <laughs> not me interviewing people, interviewing to get jobs here. You know, they ask like, especially like leadership positions. We promote a lot from within our organization, mm-hmm. and people ask that question. And I always say, 
Um, you know, I never sought out to be a nursing leader. That was not my intention. I loved bedside nursing. That's why I wanted to get into it. Labor and delivery was my passion. I loved it when I did it. And I, and, and I talked, we recently did a, um, a video for a, a leadership training that's coming up in our organization. And this is one of the topics that they ask about. And, you know, when you're a clinical expert at the bedside and you tie your value and your worth to being a clinical expert, it's what you know, right? It's the patient gives you instant gratification. You do a great job. You do a great delivery. They're very thankful. Um, the physicians are thankful. Your team is thankful. When you transition to nursing leadership, the gratitude is not always instant and there's a lot more involved. And so you kind of lose a little bit of that value of like, where am I? Am I relevant? Am I still doing? You know, so we talk about that transition and that gap there. Um, but to answer your question, no, I never really sought out to be a nursing leader. I loved the chart. Like when I, they asked me to be charged, I, I was very humbled by that. I loved it. I, there was like an excitement and an adrenaline rush about running a shift, especially, and I work nights for a long time. And Ooh. you know, when you're on the night shift That's and you're by yourself. Count, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And the resources are limited and you, you, you have a very tight knit team. You rely on each other very heavily. And so, I don't know, there's something very exciting about running a shift and being good at the end of the day. And then, um, then the A&M position opened up and it was just an opportunity to do bedside nursing, but also do a little bit of that clinical leadership. And then, um, no, the nurse manager just kind of worked out because we had someone that left and then they asked me to do the interim and then it kind of just became a permanent thing. So I always say it was nothing I sought out for, but if, if I was called to do something, I always paid attention and, and said, okay, maybe God's putting this opportunity in my way and I should, I should pay attention to that. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I give it. I give it up to you because I don't think I say this to every interviewee. I literally say this to every interview. I say you can't do it. I could never do your job. <laughs> but no, really, but... though, I really couldn't do nursing leadership. Really, I think you'd be good at it. I mean, both of us do charge relief charge. I I find it enjoyable. Like it's a it's a different kind of challenge because you're not only just there for your two patients, but you're there for all forty of them plus every nurse that's taking care of them, and then all your auxiliary, like your EVS, your respiratory, it's just everybody. A lot. That's a lot of... Uh... I don't know. We're different personalities. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you... Okay, this is a tough question. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about quitting while you were in the bedside or even now? Of course. Every day? Not every day. <laughs> no. Some days. Like yeah. what, what pushed you to keep going and, and growing? growing? Yeah. You know... As a graduate nurse going into labor and delivery, there's a huge learning curve, right? And any specialty can attest to that. If you went into a different specialty area, high high risk or high um, acuity care, you can attest to that. And so you're learning basic nursing care. You're also learning the higher acuity skills as well at the same time. For that reason, we don't necessarily recruit into labor and delivery for that reason because we want you to establish your nursing skills for at least a year before you go into that specialty. But when I started, I was accepted... And it was hard. It was very challenging. Even though I had, I was used to the environment, it was what I wanted to do always, I, it still was challenging. I had to learn fetal circulation. I had to learn maternal, you know, patho- pathophysiology, fetal pathophysiology. And you, and I was young. I graduated, um, I was 20 when I graduated nursing school. And so, you know, it's just maturity-wise and learning all the skills and working in a higher acuity area, it, the pressure starts to build, you know, and you start to think, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Maybe you go home every day frustrated. You know, I worked somewhere where we weren't doing a lot of deliveries, so the resources weren't um, there, and we grew, and then we grew, and the resources didn't always catch up as we grew. And so our sometimes we were working outside of ratios. Sometimes we had to do triage as well as labor and delivery, as well as circulate, as well as take care of mother-baby and do, you know, be nursery. You had to do all of it, right? 
And so, yeah, I mean, I started to think, okay, this is a little bit much. Well, then you push yourself because for me, it was like, you can't quit now. You've always wanted to do this. You don't quit when the going gets tough. Um, and then you, you become like a clinical expert and you get it. And then you're just like, okay, cool. I can do this with my clothes. And then you go to a new role and you're charged. And then there's frustrations and everyone's mad at you because there has to get flooded <laughs> and you don't have enough nurses or they don't want the assignment. And the doctors are mad at you because you're not getting your patients, you know, all that stuff. Right. And it comes on you and you're thinking, man, am I, do I really want to do this? Well, then you put yourself again and it's like, okay, I'm doing this for my unit. Kind of like what you were talking about. There's a greater purpose here. It's not just about my patient. It's about everybody on the floor. It's about the team. And that's kind of how the mentality I've gone through um, every step from charge to AM to nurse manager director into my position now. Yeah, my position now is very frustrating. There's times where I see our staff working really, really hard and there's limited resources and um, you want to do more and you can't do more. And you're kind of challenged with um, some stuff that you have to roll out sometimes that you may not always be agree- agreeing to, but you have to. You have to kind of like become authentic and internalize it in a way that you can present it and, and move forward and meet the metrics of the organization. And yeah, sometimes it gets really frustrating. And I think not not quit now, what I think is maybe I should go back to the bedside. I'll be a lot happier, you know. Yeah, but yeah. then you start Simple to Simple life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then it's like, okay, well leadership is influence, right? And so if I enjoy the influence that I bring in terms of making things better for the teams, and if I don't have that, would I be really happy if I did that? So that's kind of what pushes me through now. That's a good, a, a good push. I, I still couldn't do it. <laughs> no, but it's true. It's like, yeah. it's one of those things where you have to take back, like take a step back and reflect. And I think you bring up excellent points for anybody who's thinking about getting away from the bedside and going to leadership. You do take on more like more into that role, but you get a lot out of it, but it might not be that instant gratification that you get with your patients. Yeah. It could be somebody that, you know, left, moved out of state, comes back and they seek you out because they want to work for you again. Not mm-hmm. necessarily the unit there, but you made such an impression on these lives of your employees. You just never know. Mm-hmm. So what have some of your, we touched on this a little bit, but what have some of your biggest challenges been with especially in your position now or even in management and leadership in general in general not just this last year (laughs) i feel like this last year is just like (laughs) the most challenging year um you know anytime you transition into a new leadership position there's inherently there's challenges there going from bedside to leadership especially in a department where i was a peer and then i became a leader there was inherent challenges there right people that you worked alongside now you're their leader you had to have a different level of professionalism accountability People expected you to still be, you know, kind of your friends, but it's like, I, I want, have a good relationship with you, but I also have to be the leader of this department. Um, when you have to start doing, you know, progressive discipline on people that used to be your peers, maybe a possible termination. I mean, those things are hugely challenging because you have like your human emotion side of, you know, I know this person, I know they're a good person, but maybe they're not a good fit for the team. And how do you like reconcile that in your mind as a new leader? So, and, and building your credibility with your team, right? I, I always tell people, um, relationships are your greatest asset as leaders, right? So if you come from an area where you have great relationships with a team, which is where you have inherently a great advantage when you are homegrown, but also to the other side, those relationships sometimes are challenging because people see you as their peer and not as their leader, and you have to like make that transition and fill that gap as you do that. So I would say that, and then as you as you progress in an organization, um, there's always that, and, and learning, new, and then I took on departments that I didn't necessarily, I wasn't homegrown from, and then it's really like building those relationships with those team members, building the credibility, help, helping them see like they can trust you and have open communication and making it safe. I mean, yeah, it's it's the challenge. It's not impossible, it's not, but it's fun, right? That's the, that's the fun part of it. It's like, 
yeah, I'm up for it. Let's let's do this. Let's be a team. Let's be inclusive. So I would say that probably. So did you get did you get a lot of pushback when you went from like director of women's services, you said, to taking on the ED as yeah. well? Were mm-hmm. people like, oh, what do you know? You just yeah, you just know babies. <laughs> so I remember I, I, I keep it real. <laughs> I had come back from maternity leave, and at the time, the there was no director over the area, and the CNO that I reported to, um, she, I was talking to her like, hey, you know, I, like I have some time. <laughs> on my hands can I help you with something I remember having this conversation with her and she was like oh it's funny you ask I was actually thinking about potentially having you take over the ED and I was like wow that's not at all what I was thinking but okay (laughs) cool (laughs) and I was just like really me and so she you know she's very visionary as well you know she thinks ahead and she said you know you guys are very similar the ED and L&D triage and there's always a lot of challenges and I think there's a good opportunity to bridge and I think the mentality could be the same yes it's a different clinical specialty but I think you know you have clinical experts there they need leadership presence and that's why I would like for you to be over the ED and I was like okay cool I'm up for the challenge and so yeah I mean you go into an ED and of course everyone's like you are not an emergency nurse and you don't know what we're talking about and you have to build that credibility and it was more of that message of like look I'm here to help you guys facilitate success and break down barriers I'm not here to tell you like how to do your job I'm all about process I'm all about like do you need you have the equipment and materials let me help you get that let me help you like improve the processes here you guys are the clinical experts you have a manager here you have an educator you have A&Ms those are the ones really running your department and so like but but really the most important thing was for people to like get to know you and to build that relationship so that they did have that trust yeah I mean relationships go a long way Mm -hmm. and I think just being able to acknowledge to other people that like, hey, I'm not the clinical expert, but I'm here for X, Y, and Z. I think that says a lot about a leader as well. Right. And the ability to put yourself out there, like willing to help Mm -hmm. your direct report and say, hey, you know, I've got some time on my hands. Just instead of just saying, okay, my stuff is done and taken care of, you have that initiative. And I feel like anybody who wants to go into the leadership, those are the kind of like traits that they need. Self-starting, very driven and willing to help the whole team even if it might not be your players Mm -hmm. and she obviously did it to help me grow as well you know she saw like she saw the potential yeah that this is an opportunity for you to do something outside and and expand your skills so I'm very grateful to her for that as well so for someone who wants to go into nursing leadership since we're kind of already on this topic what do you recommend like how do you make yourself more marketable to climb that clinical ladder so to speak (laughs) um you know I, there's a lot. I mean, I could tell you a lot. I could tell you education. I could tell you certification. I could tell you experience. I mean, yes, all of that is important, but from my experience, and this is what I tell people that I, that I interview, not interview me. I I interview (laughs) what I'm looking for is, um, you know, people, you, there's soft skills that are just really underrated in leadership, the growth mindset, having the ability to be flexible and to build good relationships with people. I would, if I had to say, I would say I could teach anyone to be a good leader. I could teach anyone to be an IC nurse, a labor and delivery nurse, but those soft skills where people interact with their teams and they take good care of the patients and they go the extra mile, that mentality and that growth mindset and wanting to always stay a learner and be open, like you can't teach that. And so I can't teach that, right? So the person has to want to do that. And so internally, yeah, I would say that, I mean, I would say like the growth mindset is the first thing right? Always be a learner. Always be open to different things. You never know all the answers. Right, right. <laughs> Don't assume you do. Don't no, be afraid you're to you're dangerous. <laughs> yeah. um, and like shared leadership. I think, you know, we have a shared leadership council, obviously. That's that's one part of it. But also shared leadership. When you're, you're the leader of a department, 
you're you partner with your team right you guys are shared leaders right because they have the answers you don't right and it's yeah. like kind of like i again it's like my I, the way i see myself is i'm here to help you facilitate success but you have to tell me how to do that you have to be trusting enough and open enough to tell me what you need and what the issues are so that we can work on it together all right so as far as personalities best suited and worst suited for, for this job you already touched a little bit on kind of the growth mindset for best suited but can you are there are there edit I just, I are know. there are there any other mindsets that would be negative that you would suggest not even apply? You know, the people I see struggle the most in nursing leadership or leadership in general are the very, very type A. Everyone has to have a plan. Everything has to go according to plan. Like very super organized people. No, it's an asset, but it's also you, you see them struggle. And yeah. I have leaders like that. They're amazing nurses and they're amazing leaders and they want to do the best thing, but they burn themselves out and they're frustrated because things don't go according to plan and they don't, like, if it comes outside of their plan, they don't know how to handle that or it's, like, super stressful to them. They don't so, thrive in that flexibility. Yeah, and so they can, be, they can, but it's like we have continuous conversations and coaching about, listen, you're an amazing nurse and you're an amazing leader and you bring tremendous amount of value here in this organization. But I can't have you stressed out all the time because things aren't going according to your plan. You have to like, you have to have this flexibility in your mentality and you have to be okay with the gray. Like not everything is going to have answers. Not everything is going to have a solution and you have to be okay with that. And some people are just not okay with that. They, they really want like the right and the wrong. They want the answer. They want the policy behind it. And it's, that's not leadership, right? Yeah. Leadership is a lot of gray, a lot of confusion all the time. Yeah. And you're as a leader, it's your job to, to weed that out and, and to buffer that for your team. And, and if you can't have that skill to do that, you're going to struggle. Yeah. It's okay to have a plan, but also be willing to kind of go with the flow and be able to swerve yes. if when plans Absolutely. plans don't go according, accordingly. Like speed mm-hmm. bumps, they happen. Yeah. This year has been a big... Giant speed yeah. bump. <laughs> this was, <laughs> this was challenging even for like the most <laughs> flexible people. Oh, goodness. Oh. Speaking of being flexible, do you ever get time off? Or are you pretty much always on the job? Because you, I mean, you have a family. I do. That's that's got to be. But she giggled. She giggled. <laughs> she she like, knows she's always on the job. What is this time off that you speak of? <laughs> it's a facade, actually. No, I mean, I say I giggle because I tell my leaders, you know, like turn your phone off, have your your time, you know, with your family. But it, you know, it's like this thing within you where you feel like you have to always be accessible. You know, if yes, I have learned over the last decade to be, have more balance in my life. I have found ways to do that. But even on my vacations, I will scan emails and I will scan messages. And if something, um, has, I will answer it. You know, if like, I always say to my team, listen, yeah, I'm off, but if you truly need me, call me, um, text me, give me, you know, so, but that's me. I mean, sure, I could turn my phone off and not, but a majority of the leaders that I no. work with don't do that. I don't know a single leader Mm-mm. that can just be we like, have one in I'm another on country. <laughs> should be like, hold on a second, what's at me? <laughs> or Skype. <laughs> you know. Zoom, it's Zoom now. Oh, Nobody Zoom. uses oh, Skype uh, anymore. <laughs> it's been a couple years. <laughs> I know you're a grandma. <laughs> but everyone creates their own balance, you know? So what yeah. works for you and being respectful to your family when you're time off and, um, you know, and sometimes it is imbalanced. Sometimes it's more imbalanced towards work and sometimes it's more imbalanced towards home, you know, depending on what's going on. But in the grand scheme of things, you find the balance within Right. But, but it could be viewed as a negative, like 
if you are a nurse and you're looking to grow mm -hmm. and you want more of that concrete balance or you know you're not the type of personality that can say no to things or can't turn it off and you know that you're not going to be okay with that, then I don't think that leadership... It, leadership isn't for everyone. We right. obviously right. know that. But like, if you know that like you aren't that type of person that can just turn it off or say, all right, for this vacation time, I'm going to focus on my family and not read every single email in detail. If you're not that type of person, then maybe leadership isn't for you. And it can I have be leaders that go on cruises intentionally just so that they're disconnected from reality. There you oh, go. for yeah. sure. But <laughs> if that's what it takes. On the, flip, on the flip side of it, though, if you are someone that's interested in leadership, knowing this ahead of time could help you cultivate that culture and that well-being for yourself. Because a lot of times, I mean, in my reading for studies in school and leadership, they talk specifically how the leaders that we do have in nursing are like managed up from the bedside, not mm -hmm. necessarily come in as a CEO or CNO from a leech fresh out of a leadership class. Like they didn't go to school to be the nurse manager. They were the bedside nurse that became the manager. Mm -hmm. So those attributes that they have are like grown. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. So yeah, just keep that in mind that you gotta just like you have to say no to your manager sometimes when they ask you to pick up that fourth or fifth shift. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's a reality. You have to protect yeah, your own, protect your own self, and know when enough too much is too much. Yep. Right, but if you have the willingness and the um, and the drive and the drive and the go to attitude, I don't think it's far fetched because if you if you're in an area where they're willing to manage you up and you feel like it's something that you would be good at or you want to do, we suggest with everything shadowing, going through, following through throughout the day saying, and then going home and reflecting, say, is this something that I could really do instead of just accepting something? And I feel like a lot of the people that we talk to that are leaders around us, they won't take a step back um, out of that position, out of like fear of, you know, I messed up or I'm letting my team down. Like we interviewed another person who was a leader, a nurse manager. And she had a lot of regrets and issues with that, taking that step back and away from that management position. But in hindsight, those two years of management were very rough for her, and she knew she wasn't ready for it. That's why she went to that endo job. So. Yeah, that was our burnout book, and yeah. that was on a Anna. previous episode. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. A few weeks back it was. It's like we recorded it just yesterday. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> So, I'm sorry, guys. This memory is so good. It's so sharp. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about what people really, really want to know. They and you don't have deets. to... Get, they want the deets. This is what we ask everyone, so don't feel offended. And obviously, you don't need to tell us exactly how much money you make. But on average, according to ZipRecruiter, they say the national average is about 100K. I say false. Um, but what is the average for an executive director in nursing that you've kind of, nursing that you've kind of seen? Give us a ballpark. It's, it's I know we're specific to Central Florida area, so what you've seen maybe in the Central Florida area specifically? Um, I think it depends on a lot of things. I think it depends on your organization um, and what your benefits packages are. Some organizations bonus nurse leaders. Um, so I think you take that into consideration. Yeah. Um, I think 100 is probably a little low. <laughs> okay. Um, it might be a little bit higher than that. And, you know, like I said, depending on compensation package, I would say probably, um, I don't, you know, the range would probably be like, okay, I don't actually don't know. Can okay. I, I, it's okay. I, it's okay. I can, you don't have to know. Yeah, I would it's just okay. say that's a little bit low, but it is dependent on. Yeah. So, okay. So I would we say, say 100 is low, but it depends on your 
benefit package, Correct. the organization you work for, yep. the area you work in, right. and if what degree good. do you have? <laughs> like, I, I think a, your degree plays a, a big, oh, yeah. and your uh, the amount of experience that you've had. Or are you a nurse for like a year, and then you just, you know what I mean? Hazardly. Do you have your, uh, an education, like a leadership um, degree as well? Do you have, you know... Those things all kind of plan to apply. Okay, let's take a swerve. <laughs> just, just like um, COVID did with our lives, how has COVID affected you personally and your job within the organization? So this year has been very challenging for everyone in the organization. Um, you know, a lot of the weight lands on the shoulders of leaders and executives, um, especially this year, we started, and the pandemic is one that we've never, it's unprecedented, right? We've never experienced this. It was yeah. an illness we didn't know anything about. Um, it came kind of by storm when, you know, out of nowhere. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of things. I mean, in the beginning days, it was PPE and making sure our teams were stay safe in a time where the, the, the guidelines were changing every day. Sometimes every hour they were changing. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's really frustrating as a nursing leader or as an executive of an organization to stand in front of a group of people and say, you know what, this will keep you safe. This is what our, our organizations are saying are going to keep you safe. And then a couple of days later or an hour later, it changes. And now you have to go and be like, listen, that wasn't what it was. And you need to do something else. And so um, PPE, procuring the PPE, making sure everyone had what they needed. Um, and then the guidelines for taking care of those patients changed hourly as well. Yeah. Um, you know, it was and just still changing mid shift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what are we doing? Someone tell me what we're doing. You know, I was rounding on our COVID unit maybe like a month ago and I was talking to the nurses on the night shift and I was asking them, I was asking, you know, what can we do for you? Uh, is there anything that I can help facilitate or break down barriers? And, you know, the team kind of huddled around and they said, you know, we really want people to understand like how hard this has been for us and how much we've had to be flexible and how exhausting it is to be flexible because, you know, we had to start in a time where no one's taken care of these patients before, and then you had to learn to be the clinical expert, and then you have to, like, roll with the punches where they can't have visitors, and now we're going virtual, and then, you know, the PPE's different, and, you know, now I'm taking care of someone that may be end-of-life dying where I never had to do that before, and or in this, you know, environment. By um, themselves. Yeah, by, by themselves, yeah, exactly. And so, um, and, and then they also said, like, you know, when we hear – you know, that, that it's not as bad as it seems or it's not real, you know, how it's a slap in the face for the nurses that are taking care of these patients. And um, I know our ICU team feels the same way. They have the sickest of the sick patients there. And I've heard similar things from them as well. And, um, you know, it just weighs on you. It weighs on you when you see people are exhausted. It weighs on you when you know that your teams um, don't have the resources sometimes if they're not staffed well enough or they're working harder um, under very challenging conditions. Um, I would say that this year, for that reason has been extremely frustrating for us. Um, and, and we are in a time of a nursing shortage across the nation, you know, and, and right now where we need our nurses the most, where we need bedside, we, we're not getting them. And um, uh, I can tell you that that's what keeps us up at night for sure. Yeah, yeah. And you, your role during COVID was a little bit different initially, right? You, what did, can you tell us a little bit about that? Like, so within our organization, they we they asked like certain leaders to do something different. Um, I was asked to redeploy for a few weeks and go and look at field hospitals in case we had a surge within the hospitals that we could go out there and um, and expand. So we looked at hotels, we looked at tent facilities, we looked at if we had a surge and there was nowhere to put patients, where could we outside the four walls of our hospital campuses? 
And it's it's interesting on from a bedside level because like racking right, but also it's a, I think it's a good um, like kind of a flip the table because the bedside nurses don't see that stuff. They don't see mm-hmm. like since that never came to fruition, mm-hmm. most people don't know that you did that. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, you you did it and yeah. like it could have been super beneficial, but like they don't see the the effort that you guys are kind of putting in behind the scenes. And I'm not saying that the all work, right. Yeah. I'm not saying all facilities have been super supportive during COVID by any means. Um, but I think our facility um, in this area has done a really good job of taking care mm-hmm. of the nurses and the staff and the patients. Um, yeah. So just be cognizant of that, like in the back of your mind that like, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that may not have ever even come to fruition that your leadership team is doing. Right. Um, and they're not they're not out to get anybody on bedside. Like, leaders are humans, too. Like, yeah. I think people get that. People forget that. Yeah, and they need love, too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's it's true. I know. We're just looking for a Sappy moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's not happening. COVID. No, I'm just kidding. Other big trends you're seeing currently in nursing. You mentioned a little bit about like the nursing shortage, which we're all feeling right now. But is there anything else that nurses should be on the lookout for that you're kind of seeing come to fruition? Because apparently that's the word of the day. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, as a whole, before we went into the pandemic, there was a whole shift from inpatient to outpatient. So that was a huge, you know, less being cared for in the hospital more in the community services and how do we expand our networks outside the walls of our hospitals Permitted. to care for our patients, yep. yes. Um, so ambulatory care and, and mm-hmm. even doing surgeries out in the community, that's not necessarily where they become inpatients or come to the hospital. So, I mean, that that has been ongoing for the last couple of years and that's something that we were building networks and making sure we had um, facilities outside of the hospital environment to take care of the patients. I think COVID has kind of put a, um, not a stop, but it's just added another layer of complexity because now we are very busy as well in the hospital yeah. with that. And we're going into the flu season and the winter season, and that becomes our busiest season in general. So um, capacity, we've had capacity constraints and um, challenges there. But yeah, I would say like figuring out how to care for patients without them being in the hospital is probably the biggest trend right now um, that everyone should be on the lookout. And yeah, nurses are you know not necessarily staying at the bedside in, that, in nursing leaders. Um, there's a huge vacancy in nursing leadership positions as well. And so it's like, what is the incentive to be a bedside nurse? What's an incentive to be a nursing leader? How do we take care of our teams that we have and make it a position that people want to be in? That's going to be a challenge for organizations more so in the next few years coming up. And I think that's going to take a systematic change as well. I think I think a lot of hospitals are going to be kind of changing the way they view their nurses and changing the way they treat their nurses and incentivizing like more of that like especially with the covid like the the mental health aspect of it and kind of really cultivating their nurses and saying hey i see your burnout i see what you're going through yeah. here's what we're doing to, to help and I, and i think it is it is going to take a system a systematic change um in those practices to keep nurses at the bedside mm-hmm. to prevent that burnout um and speaking about burnout, is there anything that you wish you could kind of say to those nurses who are contemplating leaving the bedside and not just from a selfish, like, don't leave because we need you, <laughs> but like, <laughs> don't go, yeah. but like, like you have this nurse that's been working, you know, COVID, non-COVID, whatever, and they're just burnt out. They're, they're tired. They're exhausted. They don't feel appreciated. Um, what, what, what do you wish a nurse could come and approach? come to you and um, approach you about 
And also, like, what would you say to a nurse that is burnout right now to mm-hmm. kind of prevent them from leaving their current position or? Well, to answer your first question, I would hope that nurses could come and talk to me about anything. I would, any anything that's an issue, anything that's weighing on you, I would hope that there's an open and trusting relationship that they could come and express whatever it is. And sometimes it's tough conversations. Sometimes it's, you know, nurse, the leaders of the department that people have issues with, or it's a physician that's very well respected that they have an issue with. And it's hard, you know, they feel like I'm going to be retaliated on and, and that kind of thing. And so I would hope that there's an open and trusting relationship that they can come and talk about anything. And sometimes it's personal stuff. It's, you know, mental health issues and other things that, you know, we have to create a safe space for people to be able to have those conversations. What I would say to them, um, one, I would, I, I try to express as much as I can how much I appreciate our nurses that work at the bedside here because they truly are, are the backbone of this organization. We cannot take care of patients if it was not for bedside nurses and the, the care that they deliver day in and day out under some of the most challenging um, circumstances um, inspires me every single day to come back to work and do what I do. So I, I want them to know that they inspire me to be a nursing leader. They inspire me to come back in the most frustrating of conditions to do what I do <laughs> because it's for them, right? Yeah. Um, and, and as you were talking about my transition and challenges, the new identity I had to take on from a bedside nurse to a nurse leader was um, I no longer saw myself as having to take care of the patients, although that's why we do what we do. I had to take on the role of taking care of the staff so that they could take care of the patients. And so when I built my identity as a nursing leader around that, um, that's where I get my value and my hope from, right? Mm-hmm. I get it from the team. I don't get it necessarily from the patients anymore because I don't get to touch patients as much as I did before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, one, I want them to know that. And um, I want them to know that, you know, it's it seems... It, you can't see beyond this. I get that. You know, no one knows when COVID's going to be over or no one's going to know we're going to have resources, but there's a greater purpose to what we do. And so whatever it is that they can connect to that brings that purpose and that meaning in their life, um, I, I would hope that I, and, and, and it's different for everyone, right? So if we can sit down and have a conversation and understand where that meaning and purpose comes from, that gives you that hope and that inspiration and fills your cup back up to come back and do it the next day, I would love to be able to do that for them yeah and also don't forget to like check your facilities eap programs yep. or the employee oh, yeah. assistance programs a lot of facilities will offer like mental health services um if you have to take a leave of absence go yeah. on vacation right and don't be afraid to do it like don't, don't yeah don't yeah, like don't i know times, to ask for help. yeah i know times are tough right now and everybody's hurting for nurses but also like take care of yourself because if you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be able to take care of your patients. And if it takes that conversation of going to your direct report or going to your nursing leader, it doesn't necessarily have to be the executive director of your facility. Uh, Maybe don't do that initially. (laughs) Or it's okay too. That's all right. Low key invite her for an interview. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm saying like, don't be afraid to have those conversations with your managers, your A&Ms, um, and just be, say like hey too. yeah they, and they care yeah say hey i'm burnt out right now like and i don't want to leave the bedside but i'm feeling like i need to so what are some ways that i can prevent me from leaving the bedside because i am burnt out and i need a break so let's work to, together on this don't be afraid to have those conversations nobody does that but you should you really should and also be aware of like the people that you hang out with because if you're with the same people at work every day yes. and they all have a ne- negative attitude, yeah. that undertone within the unit is just going to, like, yeah. just cultivate. That's my word, too, cultivate. Yeah. I, this, like, 
Oh no, Kristen. So you're saying we can't be friends anymore? <laughs> you're terrible. <laughs> but it, it's true. It, it is true. It, it is true. And it undermines your leadership as well. And that that if as a future leader, if you're interested in leadership, you have to keep that in mind too. That you're not weeding these people out of your unit, but there are some attitudes and there are some people who just don't ever see the positive in the situation. And right now with COVID, like Chazelle was saying, it doesn't look like there is a light at the end of the tunnel. But if you guys all stay on the same page and work together for that greater cause, which is your patients, and you know, you never know, we treat our patients like it's our grandmother or grandfather or mom or dad or brother and sister laying in that room. And yes, that takes a toll out of you and you go home and you cry in the car or you cry in the shower, but you mm-hmm. have to remember that your attitude is going to be contagious to everyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that and your patients see it too. Oh, If absolutely. you go into a patient's room and you just look defeated and burn out, they're going to feel it. Mm-hmm. They're going to feel it. And especially if they're like if in a critical condition or they've just been diagnosed with something terminal. Like, right. the, can you imagine how that how that feels on them mm-hmm. right but you you have to be able to reflect too because you can't like you go home and cry and then you cry in the shower but you have to kind of like you have to you leave have to it. stop crying at right. some point but you have to detach a little <laughs> bit from it and that's a totally different conversation but... one day you'll just stop crying why do all of our episodes get sappy <laughs> Because we care. <laughs> do, do we? Just I kidding. do. Can Just I kidding. We you. totally care. Okay, this is my favorite part to talk about. Education. You have your doctorate in nursing practice, so your DNP. Mm-hmm. What is your DNP in? Executive leadership. Very cool. Mm-hmm. You don't hear about that very often. Most you hear about like education or, oh, I'm a nurse practitioner, mm-hmm. but you don't hear about executive leadership. Mm-hmm. That's that should sounds very valuable to your position, especially. Can you tell us ab- about that? Yeah, so I did my I did my master's at UCF at University University of Central Florida. Go Knights! Go Knights! Um, <laughs> Go I did. <laughs> oh geez. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I did my MSN there, and I always knew I wanted to do a terminal degree in nursing for multiple reasons. One, it's education is very important to me. Um, I, I like the flexibility of in the future if I wanted to teach or, um, you know, maybe not work in the acute care setting, which I don't see myself not doing, but if, you know, that you have options to do that. Um, I like academia. I like working with students. Um, I like that. And so, but the PhD for me was, it was hard for me to commit to the PhD after I um, had graduated because it is 100% academic focused and it's yeah. not clinical focused. And I kind of like this bridge. You know, I was talking to my advisor at the time who was the coordinator of the program I graduated from. Her and I are very good, friend, are good friends. And um, she, I, she knew that about me. She knew that I wanted to do something, always acute care setting, always clinical, bedside leadership, that kind of thing. And, and so I would say, like, I'm just, like, struggling to commit to the PhD because it's so academic and it's so research-based. But I love that, too, if it was something that was kind of, like, mixed in with, like, bedside and acute care setting. And so they brought the DNP program to UCF in 2012, and she called me and she said, "Listen, you've talked to me about this for a long time, and I would like for you to be in our cohort course." So, oh wow! Um, so I she applied. recruited you. Yeah. So I was like, "Really?" And she was like, "Yeah, it's coming. It's a clinical DNP. Um, you've talked about this. I think it'd be a good fit for you. Um, it's a clinical doctorate." And um, so I loved it. I read about it. I applied. I got accepted, and then I started. And it, it is a lot of like systems thinking. It's a lot about process improvement. And leadership, there's a huge research component, obviously, in it as well. And I can teach. I do teach. I teach in the same program at the um, graduate college nice. of nursing. Yeah. 
Um, and so you can do both, right? You can do both with it, but it's there's a lot of focus on systems thinking and taking care of patients in the acute care setting. It's funny because everyone says that like to teach you have to have a PhD or a master's, but people do forget that you can get a DNP mm-hmm. and still teach. Mm-hmm. So do you teach adjunct? Are you a professor? I'm adjunct, yeah. Okay, okay. I teach so- a course. I do right now practicum courses. I help with the students that are doing their clinicals in the um, master's program and just kind of work with them. And I love that because you have a different perspective. Everyone's in different specialties and doing different yeah. things and, and learning um, through like community resources and different types of leadership positions. And I just love it. It's a different side of my brain that I use. And um, and if, if there's anything that I can offer from their experiences and my from my experience that will help that, I, I love that. Um, in the future, I may teach other classes. I just, it's hard to commit to right now, having a full-time job. Yeah. Um, but this is just something that gives me the ability to stay connected to the academic world. I mean, that's awesome. I don't even know how you're an, you're an executive nursing director <laughs> and you have time to teach a class that's, and have a family. Yeah. And you have a side gig as well? I do. My husband and I open a business, too. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. That's right. She She's... can help us with that. <laughs> Oh, geez. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot to juggle. Um, but it's a lot of giving back, too. Yeah, saying. Like, for That's sure. what I've definitely noticed about everything that you've been talking about. You're giving back to the profession that has given you so much. And that's another reason why we're doing this podcast, because that's what we want to do. And I think this, uh, I think it's one of my big takeaways as we're kind of closing out the season, um, as we've kind of interviewed all these different guests, whether it be a bedside nurse, someone in leadership, someone not bedside, is find a way to give back. Because if you are going to get burnout in whatever position you're in, especially if you're not giving back or you're not taking care of yourself. And being stagnant. Yeah, so don't be stagnant. Give back. I'm just going to go on my soapbox now and (laughs) stay here. Um... Okay, is there anything else that you want to add, recommendations that you may have for, like, the current nurse, future nurse? Uh, recommendations. <laughs> you know, when you asked me the question about if I ever wanted to quit, and, and I talked about yes and what pushed you forward was your purpose, you know, the thing that stands out the most is just hearing that you matter in all those times. Like, the work that you do matters. It goes a long way, right? And so if you – I just – first of all, I want the nurses to know they matter. The work that they do matters. Um, and I think that if they can just connect that, if they can, you know, we, we, in our organization, we call it our mission. If you can connect to the mission of why you do things, um, you know, I, I think it goes a long way. So for right now, I think in current state, it would be, you know, there's hope you matter. The work that you do matters, find that purpose, find the balance, take care of yourself. You know, there's, you're no good if you're not taking care of yourself. And that goes for me, that goes for my leaders, that goes for the staff that work here. Um, for the future nurse, you know, I don't, it's hard to say, it's hard to see, you know, it's hard to know. It's the same, it's the fundamental purpose, um, principles that we have now of take care of yourself and connect with mission and purpose and, and why do you do that. I'm sure you've heard from a lot of your guests, you know, nurses don't really do it for the money. They do it for no. something a if lot. If you came into nursing yes, for the money, yeah. you need to swerve. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, and that's the same thing in leadership and that's the same thing in any position that you do within the hospital and in the nursing profession and so why did you do it why what is your why connect with your why um you have to remind yourself of that all a lot time. all the time yeah, all the time more purpose outside of your here and now yeah it's true and you know a lot of different people have different 
different driving factors. You know, faith influences a lot of what I do mm-hmm. and the decisions that I make too. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's another factor that people have to consider. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, just get back to your why in general. Like it, it's that simple, but also not. <laughs> All right. It's easy to to. Get sidetracked. Any big projects that you're working on are side gigs, other than your business. So, ironically, I want to do a podcast as well. (laughs) For the people in the back. (laughs) So, actually, it's funny. um, I have a friend that I work with, and we we have these huge conversations about faith and spirituality and how it intersects with life and experiences. And we talk about this a lot. We talk about our families. We talk about challenges that we overcome in leadership and, and in life. And it's one day we were having this like elaborate conversation about the universe and and the laws in the universe and how it intersects with faith and the, the God's will and free will and all this stuff and and like we looked at each other and we're like we should do a podcast like I think people would love to hear us talk about this right and so we I think that we're gonna do something on that and and just kind of talk about life and okay. have different people with stories come and tell us their experiences are you launching soon so we can tell our, our people we hope so we hope we're launching soon maybe in the next month or so okay Perfect. so be on the lookout hopefully by the time this episode airs maybe you'll have an episode out yes. and we'll link it in the bio but if it's Absolutely. not linked in the bio we will announce it as soon Absolutely. as it's out Absolutely. thank you all right so it's interesting you asked the regrets question you know people ask me that question all the time not in the context of nursing leadership just in life and um you talked about having a faith based background and I do too and I feel like I try really hard every day to ask for God to direct me and um to live inside um the boundaries of his will and so you know I try really hard not to live my life with regrets right and if it's something that I've done that I need to correct I try to correct it right away um I don't I can't say I have a lot of regrets I you know I've Either I do it or I don't do it or I pray about it and I'm, I'm fine with that answer if the doors don't open. So in terms of regrets, I don't say, I don't think I have a lot of regrets. Okay. Um, redos, yes, I loved bedside nursing and I loved being a labor and delivery nurse. And if I had, and there's times where I just really, really want to just do that again, just that thrill of, you know, being a clinical expert and knowing how to take great care of patients and your team relying on you and enjoying the birth of someone's child with the family like yes i would love to to experience that again you know and um so i would say like redos with that um and rewards you know we talked about nursing leadership not having instant gratification but there is still rewards in terms of for me these days my rewards come in building competency in leaders and helping them through um their challenges we had a nursing leader in A&M, an assistant nurse manager, one day she, she was walking past my office and in the morning she kind of stopped in and she said, you know, can I talk to you for a second? And I was like, sure. And she's like, I'm having a really tough day and here's why. And these were my challenges. And just having this conversation where you kind of like offer some perspectives and I've been, hey, it's really tough. I've been there before and, and I get it and this is what's helped me. And then like her leaving my office saying, you know, you made me really feel better and this really helped the conversation. And I told her, I said, and I do gratitude every day at the, at the end of the day. I try to do three gratitude items just to remind myself that they're still good when there's chaos around you. Um, I try, and I told her, I was like, I'm going to put you on my gratitude list today because you like really filled my cup having this conversation. And so I think my rewards come from that. You know, if you can help take the load off of someone, lighten the load, if you can help someone help think through different perspectives um, when they're having challenges, I would say that's where my rewards come from. You're literally taking your nursing and you're nursing your 
your managers because you you're like no she is building it's like it's like when you have patience and you're like all right i mean this is very trivial but this is how you take your blood sugar (laughs) it's the same thing like you're you're teaching them and Mm -hmm. like they're blossoming from it yeah I mean, I do I that, that when I precept. It makes me so happy when my little yeah. babies, they come to me and they're like, look what I did. I was like, you did it. Yes. You know? But exactly. maybe don't say it to them like that, Kristen. No, I, I do. I'm oh, so geez. proud of them. I'm so glad you didn't precept me. Well, you would have been very happy. I would have been a better nurse. <laughs> well, thank you so much for of coming course. on the show today, Shazelle. We really appreciate it. As always, um, link in the the details in the bio. No, I'm <laughs> editing that. Thank you for coming. Of course. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs>